0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm J.P., along with my radio wife and co-host, Leanne Whipple, <laughs> Hall of Famer there. Uh, we've got a Hall of Famer, I think, with us today, too. But we've got Camaro Dave, Commander Chris, in the background coming to you from our Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland. We would like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended. You can check them out online at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. Well, um I don't even know how to give a good description of you, Harry. Uh, you're you're uh, kind of a renaissance man in a way. You were a pilot, and then you were an IT guy, and you built big IT centers. And uh, But your heart the last 20, 30 years has been into barbecue, and so here you are. So welcome.
1: Yeah.
2: Thank you, Leanne. JT. Yes, and
1: now and now you're retired from IT.
2: <laughs> Pleasure to be on your show and always happy to talk to fellow barbecue pitmasters where we have barbecue sauce in our veins instead of blood. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No one that understands us
2: when we tell them we like to stand around a pit and <laughs> throw in a log every 30 minutes and have sleepless <laughs> nights. Yeah. You don't shower for two days in yeah. double hitter contests. Yep, yep, Our yep. Our partners appreciate the natural odor of barbecue <laughs> <laughs> and the humanity and the friendship and the camaraderie that we enjoy. That is bar none in this world.
0: There you go. There's no
2: finer community of people than barbecue folks
0: that that's Very true well said Very so well i said. guess for
2: a hand we'll give you two
0: <laughs> <laughs> so i gotta i gotta tell you i come from a, a ranching horse rodeo background and i love your hats your cowboy hats all the time. Oh,
2: thank you. They are yeah. from uh, the company called Stetson. So yeah. That's, yeah. You know, yeah. Stetson, please uh, sponsor me. They're, they're, <laughs> if,
0: if you ever come north to Oregon and you come to my house, I have a great big poster that's framed on my wall that all you see is the guy's feet and the Stetson is on the ground and he's right next to a tree. And it says, never steal a Stetson like that <laughs> so it's like they hung the guy okay so there was
1: just a question on jeopardy about that uh, and i answered it stetson i think they started in new york or something i don't know but they've been around i think oh they've the been long, around a long time yeah a long yeah, time but anyway
0: okay so harry uh our guests you've not been on the show before so before we really dive into the all the different techniques and and things that you do with your barbecue i want to give a little backstory on you um, how your life changed when you were doing one thing and what led you to barbecue, but you were a pilot, like I said, a commercial pilot. And then that kind of went away for you and you went back to school. You've got a very interesting story there.
2: I uh, consider myself uh, kind of a, an accidental tourist. (laughs) I, uh, by accident, got to fly 747s because Mm -hmm. I noticed that my classmates applied for the job when the, they saw the application in the newspaper. Back in 40 years ago, we didn't have online media, so we had newspapers. And uh, somehow I, I ended up uh, making it into flying school while they didn't. So that was my kind of first fortuitous accident. I always wanted uh, to be an engineer a scientist, a computer scientist, but sure. never ended up doing that trade and I ended up flying airplanes. And uh, back in the 80s, there was a time when people had to buy gas on even an odd days. I, I date myself and I tell people uh, that I young remember generation. That too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, when I
2: tell this to the young generation, they have no idea what I'm referring to. Oh, yeah. 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 There was an all crisis in the world. So I was a kind of a refugee from that era. I lost my job as a pilot and I had to retrain for a new career. I ended up in Texas Tech. And uh, the first week in America as an international student, my classmate took me out for barbecue. And I took ah. one bite of that barbecue and I was told myself, how can brisket taste so good? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> never tasted anything like that in my life. And I spent many years uh, cooking barbecue for my friends and family. and Never imagined that what I did was any good at all. But uh, back in 2008, there was a movie called The Bucketist. Oh, yeah. Bucket List.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: And that was another accident because one of my project managers came to work and said, we are a bunch of IT nerds. We should do something with our life before we kick the bucket. <laughs> and I was given a stretch goal and I said, you know, fine, I'll just do whatever stretch goals you guys want. So, uh, an example of a stretch goal, a JT, is let's say you always wanted to like take a ballroom dancing class but didn't. Mm-hmm. So I'll write mm-hmm. you a stretch goal. Hey JT, go take a ballroom dancing class. For me, they said that I like to cook and I used to bring barbecue to work, serve so, to my coworkers. They say, hey, why don't you enter one of those barbecue contests where they turn in the meat in a white styrofoam box? Uh-huh. Yeah. Say, yeah. Okay, so that's the, I'll I'll try that. So I uh, filled an application form to do one contest. And the contest was in Palm Springs. And I said, I'll call my team name the List. So I showed my coworkers the application form. And they say, no, 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 that's a boring name, Harry. Don't call your team the Buccalist. Let's come up with a cool name for your teams. And I said, you know, I really don't care. I'm never going to use the name again. Call it anything you want. And in the South, when you eat something you really, really like, all you want to do is slap somebody. Right. So, uh-huh. i a daddy. They said, why don't you call it Slap Your Daddy? He said, that is the stupidest name I, I can think of. Okay. But I wrote it down on a piece of paper, never imagining I would ever use it again. And lo and behold, I go with I go do my first contest in Palm Springs, and I win it. So that's kind of how I started on my crazy barbecue journey. So I consider myself an accidental pitmaster. I, <laughs> I
1: love that. I didn't know that about the name of you know your team. That that's an amazing story. I love that. Yeah. That's such a goofy you, you name and and I, like I a never par- would
2: use it again. I told them <laughs> I, I will never use that name again. But look at what happened now. So now I'm synonymous with that name. So go figure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, that's pretty
0: cool. And especially to take your first bite of barbecue down down in Texas and then to transform that back in Los Angeles to go into the desert and cooking and winning. That had to be kind of like make almost make your head spin at a time.
2: I uh, had have no pedigree. So it wasn't like my like my grandpa taught my ma- pa and my pa taught me how to cook barbecue. I right. attack barbecue like a computer programmer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we have something in the computer. It's called a brute force attack. So mm-hmm. imagine you have a gym locker and the gym locker says 000. You go 001, 002, 003. Eventually what happens? The gym locker will open.
0: Right. Uh-huh. So
2: I attack barbecue the same way. So what I did was I cooked meat in Lubbock, Texas with salt and pepper. Then I wrote the results down. Salt, pepper, chili powder. Results, salt, pepper, chili powder, sugar. Results, salt, pepper, chili powder, sugar, garlic powder. So I built all these like flavor profiles
1: uh-huh. on a
2: Excel spreadsheet. In these days, it wasn't called Excel. It was a tool called VisiCalc. So yeah. I was kind of nerdy. And uh, I built all these later profiles because I enjoy cooking for my friends and family. And I did not expect 40 years later that I would end up on a TV show with Leanne and Myron and all these (laughs) world champions.
1: (laughs) You know, you know, what's really something is I can appreciate um, because I I'm kind of an Excel spreadsheet girl and you know, I have things that I take to competition, what have you, but it's not about just being methodical and being able to take notes. I mean, you have to have a true passion and, um, know what you're doing in cooking. You know, it's a feeling, it's touchy-feely. It isn't just a matter of reading a piece of paper. So kudos to you for bringing it all together and becoming, a, you know, quite the champion, I must say. I have yeah. no talent,
2: so I, I do it by brute force. You know, if you win a lottery <laughs> ticket, I will buy 10,000 tickets. So I figure if I cook 1,000 briskets, then yeah, maybe I'll, I'll eventually learn how to cook a brisket of course the first brisket i cooked was completely inedible Uh but as you get better and better that's kind of how you learn and i also had to kind of credit folks like leanne myron tuffy and all i mean i learned a lot from them so they taught me a lot so not only did uh, we end up on a tv show together but they really kind of you know gave me a whole new perspective on the diversity of barbecue and and since then i've been traveling around the country around the world I'm on my personal quest to eat at uh, the 5,000 of the best barbecue restaurants across America.
0: Oh, there you go. There you go. go. So, So, Harry, put your nerd hat on for a second. In the last 10, 15 years, we've seen some huge advancements in technology regarding to barbecue and cooking. How does the tech affect our barbecuing now for not just on... For competitions, but also the backyard people.
2: I think uh, it, I would address it and say that uh, at the end of the day, it's never about the pit or the equipment. It's about the pit master. Uh-huh. You guys know who uh, Tootsie
0: has oh, yeah. from sure. Snow's mm-hmm. Barbecues.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tootsie can outcook me with a shovel and a whole in the ground. By all my Wi Fi, DHCP, IP address, and fancy gizmos. So I always tell people, Always cook using the equipment that brings you most joy. If you need to use your cell phone connected to your cloud server, connected to your grill to monitor temperature and to run your cook, by all means do it if you enjoy it that way. If you enjoy burning down the wood in a burn pot, transferring the wood embers in a shovel and throw it beneath your hog, do it your way. So I always tell people the key to having. Enjoyment in life is to do things that are joyful to you. If you decide you want to own a British sports car that you love driving because you have the wind in your face, and whenever you turn on the headlights, the windshield wipers don't work. Keep doing <laughs> what you're doing if it gives you joy. Yeah. So I tell yeah. people, you know, people a lot of times I I because I have a YouTube channel, I have a lot of followers. A lot mm. of people ask me questions like, Harry, what's the best pit to buy? I always tell them the pit that you should buy is the one that brings you most joy. Yes. If you like putting in a log every 30 minutes and be up all night, you know, have a, adult beverages and hang with your friends, that's great. But if you really want to go down to the mall, watch your brisket cook on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> hey,
2: more power to you. So I always say, so long as you're having joy, you're spreading barbecue love, it really doesn't matter what equipment you use.
0: We're going to take a quick break here. We've got Harry Sue with us, uh, along of course with Miss Leanne Whippin, and it's a great show. I'm it, this is so much fun. I watched a couple of Harry's videos this morning before we did the uh, uh, before we recorded the show, and I've got a lot of questions. So we're going to take a break. We're going to be back in just a few minutes with Harry Sue. You're listening to Barbecue Nation with Jeff and Leanne on USA Radio Networks. everybody it's jt and this is a special version of barbecue nation it is brought to you in part by painted hills natural beef beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends that's painted hills natural beef welcome back to barbecue nation i'm jt Uh, if you'd like to email us we, Leanne's got one. She's going to deal with today later in the show. Uh, she, you, it's very simple. You just go to barbecuenationjt.com and there's a there's a little contact us form at the bottom there. You can fill it out and send it to us. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, both the shows and our personal accounts, you can find us. So that's all good. I know Harry's out there on Instagram and all kinds of platforms. So you can, you can follow him. He's got a YouTube channel with lots of followers like that. So let's get back and, and talk with Harry Sue here. So one of the, one of the videos I watched this morning before we did this interview, Harry was you talked about the fundamentals. And I think that's, for me, that's very important not to get off in the, outer ozone layer when you're trying to cook. I think it's very important to get your fundamentals down. And if you ever have a problem, this is just me talking, you go back to your fundamentals and figure it out. I wanted to get your take on that.
2: Uh, Absolutely. The uh, idea that I always had is uh, from Michael Jordan, right? I mean, he still shoots 10,000 free throws before he goes to a game. And why? Because it's the fundamentals. You got to know some of the basic fundamentals as a pit master. Mm-hmm. i'll give you an example one fundamental is that uh, temperature management you've got basically four tribes that i encounter out in the world and the f- tribes are quite uh, territorial they will kill each other <laughs> over <laughs> the temperature ranges they cook in so let me just describe the four tribes that i've encountered sure. we have the ultra low and slow people the ultra, the ultra low and slows are the people who like to cook below 210 ish where the temperature of boiling water is 212. And you generically have what I call the low and slow, which is the 225 to 275 people. And you have the hot and fast the 275 to 325 people. And then the ultra hot and fast, the 325 and above the 450 degree people. Now, these four tribes, right, believe that they have the best method, each of them. And they will kill you like a Jerry Springer fist fight. <laughs> so because I'm on the internet every day answering to all the trolls, who got, get on my channel and on my YouTube, my Patreon, my LinkedIn, my TikTok, right? right? I am have a front row seat to all these folks out there. So I always tell people, so long as you can master the fundamentals of the difference between a direct fire and indirect fire, you know how to control your draft, you know how to control your temperatures, you know how to cook your meat until you form the mallard reaction, which is the crust. You know how to do any kind of wrap to render the collagen into gelatin, and you know how to probe it to know when it's done. That's all you need to know about barbecue: one, two, three. Cook into cross sets, do some kind of a wrap phase, and then pull it when it's tender. Just yes. as simple as that. One, two, three. That's all barbecue is about.
0: I like your your uh, bamboo skewer, your smaller skewers there that you were you were probing. I do have one one thing though. I'm a jiffy or jiff peanut butter <laughs> guy, not not a skippy. Okay, so. Uh, is And so I got to ask you, because I never stuck a, stuck a bamboo probe in, in a jar of uh, Jif peanut butter. Is there a difference? <laughs>
2: uh Yes. I uh, actually uh, teach a lot of classes. I, I cannot believe in about 14 years, I've trained 4,000 masters myself in yeah. small dozen sized classes. And I always tell them that you can follow all the advice in the world. But the best advice I can give you is go to Walmart and buy a jar of creamy peanut butter, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the brand I like, put that jar of peanut butter in the fridge, get two bamboo skewers. One, you're going to poke into that jar of cold peanut butter, and one, you're going to poke into your brisket or your pork butt. And then mm-hmm. once the feeling is the same, your meat's done. That's pretty much it. There's no need to measure the internal temperature. So I always tell people that when you're in my class or you're my student, it is a leap of faith because a lot of my students have spent 20, 30 years cooking, following religiously on certain formulas on time and temperature. Mm-hmm. And I tell them the first thing you want to do in my school is you lock your watch in the drawer and you lock your thermal pen in the drawer before you even start cooking. I taught you. Number one, cook until cross sets. Number two, wrap. Number three, pull it when the peanut butter feels right.
0: I, I had, honestly, I had never seen that till this morning. And I was like, I, I get it. I understand it. I'm even willing to try it. I just didn't know if my Jif peanut butter was different than than your Skippy. Skippy
2: yeah. JT is Skippy, okay. He's okay. Gotta, well, you know, Skippy should sponsor me. I think because uh, you oh know, yeah. I've been, yeah, I've been pushing I, I, Skippy I, for I, the past fourteen years. Yeah, that's hilarious.
0: So do you do you get a lot of blowback from like you said the trolls and stuff that they are so locked into either a specific you know time and temp or that. Um, you know their their technology. They're they're. I see that a lot. I mean, I watch a lot of the videos. We have tons of people on the show, and some of them are so locked into the technology now that it's like for me, and I'm and I'm sure Leanne is the same way. When we grew up cooking and went through this process, mm-hmm. we didn't have digital thermometers. We didn't, you know, we didn't have scores of of fancy tools if you were it was you know by touch and feel and sense and taste and and those things that we kind of come with every day and so do those guys really give you a hard time sometimes
2: uh, i recently uh published uh, on all my social media channel a good insult because i i love a good insult oh like sure I say that harry you are a fake pit master <laughs> the fact that you wear a cowboy hat it makes doesn't make you a real pit master in fact the pictures of your briskets look like the anus of my dog before he poops. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> and I thought, dang, that is a really good insult. Let me go ahead and post it on all my social media platforms because I take my hat off to you for really knowing how to insult me. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's
1: awful. Yeah. Then,
2: I, then I then I show him the picture in my garage of my first place, KCBS USA brisket number one trophy. That yeah. Yeah, so, there you go. So, you know, again, I, I hate to be snippy, but sometimes the trolls out there, they kind of get under your skin. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: for sure.
0: Well, and here's the clue, folks. I saw pictures of Harry's garage with all the trophies in there, the big ones, the small ones, and all that. He can't park his car in his garage. He's got too many damn trophies in there. But it was impressive. I, I liked it, you know. Yeah. So I can see where it's kind of like. Yeah, if you're going to insult me, why don't you do this over here, you know, and match that. Then you can really get after me. The one thing you did that I hadn't seen before and, you know, uh, well, first of all, you said you have a Goldilocks spot. And I think that's very important for people because when people talk to me about it, I always say you really got to know your grill.
2: Absolutely. And uh, everyone should learn their pits to find a sweet spot, Uh, for example, on a 1000 gallon offset whether it's a Moberg or Milskill or Centrax, there's mm. a sweet spot. So everyone should really understand that on every grill, you will never get 100% of sweet spots all over the cooking grate. You just have to figure out where the warm spots are and the cooler spots are.
0: There you okay. go. We're going to take another break. We're going to be back with Harry Sue. You're on Barbecue Nation with Jeff and Leanne right after this. Don't go away. Hey, everybody, it's JT from Barbecue Nation, and my friends down at Smokey Bones have come up with a great summer special for you. For a limited time, get the Rib Feast for only $19.99. Now, Rib Feast comes with a house rack, two sides, garlic bread, and a drink, and that's when you actually eat at the restaurant. Smoky Bones, the masters of meat, well they have about 63 locations from Illinois all the way down to Florida and they bring you fire grilled favorites and barbecue platters every day for lunch and dinner and it's great stuff. So find a Smoky Bones near you and enjoy their summer rib feast special, only $19.99. That's Smoky Bones, the masters of meat. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. We are very fortunate today to have Harry Sue with us. But before we chat with Harry again, we'd like to thank uh, the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. They now have a new online store. Um, they revamped it. Go, I would suggest that you go to their online store and check it out. You can buy as little as you know one steak if you want, and it will be delivered to your house. So check out Painter Hills, dot com, and also. Here's Ms. Leanne's deal the the trim tabs, pig powder, barbecue, dry rub, uh, was developed by her dad. Uh, it's one best rub on the planet. It's used by winning pit masters for over 30 years. It's now available online at pigpowder.com. And, uh, Leanne will even autograph a picture and send it to you if you buy some pig powder. So go again, go to pigpowder.com and, uh, get some of, uh, uh, it's really good rub. That's all I'm going to say. So let's uh, let's get back and talk with Harry here. So, in the in the one video I watched, um, you were doing the difference between a a competition brisket and a backyard brisket. There was a difference in how you trimmed them. There was a difference in in what you did to them. Um, and and I one thing I really appreciated, Harry, was right at the top of that uh segment you were saying this isn't something i would feed my family or serve at home as far as the competition brisket the backyard brisket is that so i know we have (laughs) excuse me a lot of people on the show that say oh i do the same thing i do it same thing in the competitions as i do at home i don't doubt that they do that i'm just wondering what the results are as far as the people that come to their house and eat what you know, what's been your experience with that? Because I agree with you. I'm sure Leanne agrees with you.
2: I do. I I think that the uh operative question to ask is what's the objective? Mm-hmm. Uh, the objective of a backyard restaurant brisket is to feed people. The objective of a competition brisket is to win a ten thousand dollar check. Yeah. So when once you get your head wrapped around that, then the technique becomes much clearer. I'll give you an example. If you are a barbecue church and you take one bite of food, it's about two ounces. So if you eat eight samples of chicken, that's 16 ounces. You eat another half dozen or more servings of ribs, followed by pork butt, followed by brisket. So by the time you get to the brisket entry, your taste buds are all completely burnt. Yeah. With the MSG the disodium inosinate and disodium guanidates that the, the intestine put into the food together with the sodium phosphate for the injection, so your mouth cannot taste anything else. So as a competitor, I know that when I turn in my brisket entry, my brisket entry is inedible because I know that the judges have consumed 48 ounces of meat before getting to my entry. Sure. So I tune my brisket to win the contest that way, because if I were to turn in a brisket that was ordinarily seasoned, at the last entry of the day for the judging tent, that flavor profile would never work. Can that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, I, I would I mean. never serve that to my friends and family because it will be over salted. Uh-huh. So that would yeah. be an example of how you think as a competitor based on the objective that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. For example, yeah. like today I'm, I'm working on some recipes for a TV show I'm gonna be on. And I have to think that what are the objectives that the judges on the show will be looking for? So I'll give you an example. I'm going to be cooking some side dishes and I know that I need to cook the side dishes on the grill and not on the stove. So I'm having to retool some of the side dishes that I'm practicing to make sure they actually will work on the grill. So these are the kind of thought process that I always suggest people take into consideration when they want to cook for family and friends, co-workers, for a catering, for a restaurant, or or a competition in a restaurant is a completely different story because your yield is very important your golden ratios are very important and you can't make any money and you have mm-hmm. to sell your brisket at 35 dollars a pound yeah so yeah. The, the trim is very different you have to you have to grab every morsel of uh, tallow you have to grab every morsel of uh the uh the trim to make sausage to make hamburgers or to do something so it's all kind of different so i always teach people that you really need to think through the process before you start
0: Oh yeah, do you do that? Do you take that same th- same thought process with your with your ribs or your chicken or those, or is it mainly with the brisket because it's uh, at the it's end? Oh,
2: it's all of the above. All the above. again, okay. when you're a competitor, right? You know, it's uh, cooking a kebabiy contest is like tuning a twelve cylinder engine. Assuming that there are four entries of chicken ribs, pork, and brisket, each of those entries are assessed based on three pistons or three criteria: appearance, taste, and tenderness. On the day that you can fire across taste, appearance, and tenderness across the four meats, which is analogous to a 12 cylinder engine. sure, And it's finely tuned and you can fire all 12 cylinders perfectly that day. There might be a chance you might walk on stage as grand champion. Yeah. yeah. So it's really hard to be a grand champion. I've won about, like, about 30 grand champion, So I know how hard it is to be able to do that. And I really take my hat off to all the pit masters out there who are those who are competing at the highest possible level that they can consistently execute every single weekend 35 times a year. So to me, yeah I, that's a, a phenomenal accomplishment. It
1: is. It is. I like your analogy too. I love it.
0: Do you do that, Leanne? What? What he just described.
1: Well you have to. I mean yeah. uh I never thought of it as an engine, but um I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I like it too. So imagine on Monday, you buy meat on Tuesday, you trim meat on Wednesday, you make a sauces injection on Thursday, you pack on Friday, you drive, you cook Friday, you cook, cu- you cook Saturday, you drive back on Sunday, you clean up on Monday, you start over. If you yeah. do that 35 times, 40 times a year, mm-hmm. you know, I had 16 men, their wives told them you are not going out with Harry anymore because you went out with Harry every single weekend.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm familiar with that. Um yes. <laughs> One of the things that you uh, that you talked about is um, and we talked about it at the top of the show too, controlling the heat. I think that's the most difficult thing. And I've said this in many shows and I'll probably say it many more. But I think controlling the heat is the really the toughest thing for people to get a handle on. Um, You just
2: buy a pellet grill.
0: That's all you need to do. Yeah, you can do that. But. (laughs) But I think, you know, I'll
1: tell you, though, I mean, you know, I'm a huge advocate, obviously, for pit boss, but I still think, like you said, there's hot spots and not. And you still have to whether you're setting it to a certain temperature, you know, you have to know where to place the meat. And if you want your char, if you know you need to move it to the hot end and is it ready for that? So I still think it's it still, you know, plays into factors pellet grill or not. Not as much, but I still think it's there.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, I do too. Well, but yeah, I. I... The, the idea is that uh, more important than the temperature that I want to focus on is the temperature is okay. Because remember, I told you earlier there are four tribes, right? right there are four right, tribes. Right. Ultra low and slow, low and slow, hot and fast, and ultra hot and fast. So let, let's let's kind of let me just back up to 50,000 feet and kind of set the stage. Sure. When you have four tribes, the operative question you got to ask yourself is not which temperature range you want to cook into or how well you're going to hold at 212 or, or how well you're going to hold at 275. The operative question I teach my students is that you need to know something called the draft. The draft is the convection current of hot air flow flowing over your meat. You cannot get the MALA reaction and the non-enzymatic paralysis of amino acids on your meat if you do not know how to control the draft. That's why the well-designed pits like the Mobergs and uh, the, uh, the uh, Centrex out there, they have very good airflow. That's why you can cook uh, an amazing, amazing brisket We just salt and pepper. So when you have something like an automated cooker, pellet grill, Leanne is absolutely right. You just need to know where the hot spots and the cool spots are and where the airflow is. And very importantly, understand the draft. So when a pellet cooker has a fan, there's a lot of draft. so the meat dries out really, really fast. So you gotta mm. be really careful to make sure that you don't dry your meat too much because once the crust is set, you really wanna change cooking methods. You wanna apply some moisture and some heat and some time to it in a wrap stage. So when you cook barbecue, you really need to understand the concept of draft, which is the convective airflow over the meat. How you bathe the meat with the different kinds of smoke is extremely important because in in wood, there is a very important resin in there called lignin. So it's actually the pyrolysis of lignin on the wood that causes evaporative gases of the carbonyls and phenols to bathe your meat. And that provides 90% of the magic of barbecue. So I teach that in my class, so that people can master their grill. So whether you decide you want to be like Tootsie, use a shovel, cooking yep. embers, or you want to be like Leanne and kind of hmm. check your pit boss on your phone.
1: So <laughs> 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 let me ask you this, Harry: What tribe are you in these days? I
2: am agnostic. I'm promiscuous. <laughs> I kiss all oh. the tribes. <laughs> Good Remember,
1: answer. my my my.
2: Everybody asks me, Harry: What's your favorite pit? My favorite pit is a clean pit yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, uh, next to to folding clean. laundry <laughs> yeah next to folding laundry cleaning a pit is the really at the bottom of my list of to do's,
0: yeah, I get that too uh... and you were talking about you know uh, and everybody talks about this, you talk about you know kind of spritzing the meat with moisture. How often do you do that on a on a brisket cook and are you using apple juice? Or are you using something else, a vodka tonic? I mean, what is it?
2: <laughs> well, there's a, I've, I've probably sp- uh, spritzed my meat with maybe 20-plus different types of ingredients, and I found out the best ingredient is actually water. Oh, yeah? So the spritzing of the pit, uh, of the meat is actually to generate something called the smoke ring, which is the uh, staining of the microfibrils of protein pink. Uh, The idea is that you create micro droplets in your pit, you generate a carbonic acid and nitric acid. The nitric acid and carbonic acid stains the microfibrils of protein pink, and that's how you establish a smoke ring. Even though the smoke ring has no flavor and judges are trained not to judge the smoke (laughs) ring, you and I know as competitors, the day we turn in the brisket Uh without a smoke ring is not the Uh day we're gonna go on stage.
0: Right, right. Uh,
2: So the water is used to generate a smoke ring. So what I do is I teach my students how to use a 99 cent spray bottle to introduce the water at the optimum portions of the cook. So to answer your question, I, I don't recommend we spray the meat early in the cook. I recommend we start spritzing the meat towards the end of the cook. So as the crust sets, you increase your intensity of the amount of water, and then you reduce the interv- time interval between the spray. Now, as to what is the Goldilocks spray technique, you have to experiment on your own pits on the meat yeah. to see what is the maximum smoke ring that you can generate because the idea is to crust as soon as possible to create the thousands of new flavor compounds on the surface of the meat and then after that wrap the meat as soon as the Maillard reaction is complete
0: excellent and we've just completed segment three so we're going to take a commercial break and we're going to be back with harry sue and leanne Whippin right after this don't go away everybody it's jt and this is a special version of barbecue nation it is brought to you in part by painted hills natural beef beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends that's painted hills natural beef welcome back to uh, barbecue nation i'm jt along with leanne Whippin, and we've got harry sue if you don't know it his uh his label, his handle is slap your daddy barbecue, which I love. Uh, I think that's just um, I think that's so funny and the story behind it. it is so funny. The one thing that you pointed out that honestly, I never saw anybody else point out in their their videos or their speaking is you put the wood blocks under the brisket. So it arcs and you don't have puddles. How did you come up with that?
2: I uh, was trying to solve a problem because when I was cooking my brisket on the grain, the puddles would happen and I would not get any bark. Uh-huh. So I drew my inspiration from the Astrodome. So what happens when it rains in the Astrodome? The rain, water rolls off. So I thought, why don't I just make my brisket look like the Astrodome? proper a piece of wood underneath and uh, that way I can get absolutely championship level bark regardless of the lumpiness or the level of the brisket when it sits on my cooking grate yeah i yeah, think that's
1: genius not only that but where i know exactly where you're talking about where that puddle happens it's almost invariably on the slices that you're going to turn in
2: Yeah, exactly <laughs> right right in the middle where you <laughs> right, want to turn into right, the, judges, right. the puddle exactly. happens yes. yeah exactly. i just cool. thought it was great people tell me that i should sell my wood block for 1999
1: <laughs> yeah i think it's awesome well, $29. you could. $29.
0: You could put a little brand, <laughs> a little Harry Sue brand, on each one. You know, have them made that way, and then you could, uh, you could, um, you could patent it.
2: You could uh, it with his Skippy peanut yes. butter, yeah. <laughs> like the like the Guinsoo, right? I'll sell you the peanut butter. I'll sell you the bamboo skewer, and I'll sell you the wood blocks for nineteen ninety
0: nine. There you go. But wait, there's more. You there's, could there's double.
1: There's a Stetson hat in there somewhere. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: What now
2: a 50% discount? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and if you order double, all you have to pay is the shipping and handling, you know, all that type of thing. That'd be great. I'd love to see that. That's funny. Um, so
1: now, now that you're quote retired and you're really diving into the barbecue thing, what have you done? What What are you doing more that you weren't doing before that you want to achieve since your retirement? And I
2: think that uh, I am able to travel now a lot more. I mean, last year I did 50 gigs. That That's mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, I uh, was fortunate enough to be invited all around the world. I've I've taught private classes to well-heeled clients in other countries. I, I did the world's largest trade show in Cologne, Germany. Mm. We think that barbecue is big in America. We cannot hold a candle to the Europeans. Their trade show, to give you an idea of the size, the barbecue area alone is six soccer stadiums.
1: Oh, oh, geez. okay.
2: So you stop and think. Hey, you know how big a soccer stadium is, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the barbecue area in the trade show is six soccer stadiums inside each wow. the average booth there that i went to is maybe about i don't know like 70 feet by 70 feet square that's the oh. average booth
0: holy moly oh.
2: yeah I've and we no think that is big here uh, i've never seen anything like that that i saw in europe in a place called spoga gafa so i was there for three days doing demos as a the american Pitmaster, uh in uh, the uh, event in cologne and they invited me back this year so i'm gonna be heading back this year to do it again so they are, like, absolutely bonkers over barbecue. They are really absolutely crazy. Wow. Huh. Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, I get emails and messages from people that listen to the show in Europe and stuff, and, in, you know, Germany and France and all that. Mostly Germany, though. Harry's right. They're, they're just... Bug crazy over there for the stuff, and I love it. I've got a ton of followers on Facebook that are pitmasters in Germany. I can't read their postings. But, but,
2: it's called Google Translate.
0: Yeah, Google Translate go. is absolutely.
2: Yeah, they love. Uh, they love uh, gadgets. So if you have gadgets, right? Yeah. I would launch it in Europe. If I had a like a swell new gadget, I would just launch it in America. I launch it in Europe. They are crazy nuts over stuff like that. Huh.
0: Is there anything? Anything that you want to do in the competition side, Harry, that you haven't been able to do yet? A particular competition you want to compete in or win or, you know, uh, now that you've got a little more time to dedicate to barbecue. I don't think I think I think Harry needs like 28 hours a day instead of 24. So just a kind of a general question there. But I think people would like to know.
2: I feel very blessed because uh, I had a good run cooking competitions and you reach a point in your career where I get more joy watching my students and my protégés become successful. Yeah. And I've been following all my students around the country and watching them succeed at American Royal uh, at the Memphis in May. So for me, the biggest joy right now is to kind of pass on what I know. You know, as a human being, we live life in three phases. The first phase of your life is when you are between, say, 20 years old to 40 years old. You just finished college and you're trying to establish yourself. Your job in phase one is to learn from as many masters as you can. When you right. get to phase two, when you are age 40 to 60, you take what you learn in phase one and be the best that you can be to be the best mother, father, be the best engineer, accountant, pit master, whatever. When you hit 60, like me, in phase three, it's time to give it all away. You can't take it with you. Right. Remember, the average male in America lives to 76. The average woman lives to about 80. So all you need to do is count the amount of sand you have in the hourglass going forward <laughs> versus what is behind you. And that really focuses your life. Like what am I going to do with the remaining sand left in my hourglass? I would submit the best thing that we can do to bring joy to our life is to give everything we have away. That's why I give away all my recipes that I want First Place USA on my YouTube channel. And people can't believe that, oh, Harry's giving away his recipes. Do they really work? People try my recipes and they walk on stage and they win grand championships. They open successful restaurants because they work. So my belief is that I encourage everybody out there, if you reach phase three of your life and you're fortunate and blessed to reach phase three, you should give it all away.
0: I can, I understand that. Yeah, I've uh, kind of turned that corner myself of wanting to help people versus having people help me. And And, you know, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of stuff in our brains by the time we get to 60 years old. And I think it's time to share that. I think it makes a lot of sense. Leanne's only 34, though, so she's <laughs> right, got a way to go. Right. Uh-huh.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: She's in phase one. She's
1: in- <laughs> you all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's all good. So if, you, if you're if you in that that third phase, Harry, what about on the side that doesn't have anything to do with barbecue? Do you want to travel a little more? You You've obviously been a world traveler for a while. Are there places in the world you'd like to go?
2: Yes, I uh, was fortunate enough, uh, because of barbecue, I cooked a uh, musk ox rib eye underneath the northern lights. If oh. you have never done that? that, that is a magical, transformative experience. Yeah. So wow. My next goal is I'm going to try to cook a steak on lava on a place on Earth where one-third of the lava flows out of the crust of the Earth, and it's a place called Iceland. So if anybody's listening to this podcast, who lives in Iceland. Uh, can you invite me over and uh, make <laughs> a 10-foot pair of tongs? And let's go cook a ribeye on a lava.
0: Um, Harry Sue, everybody. And you can find his channels on YouTube and Instagram and all that. And we're going to get out of here for this week. It's been our pleasure to be your host for this last hour. And uh, Harry's going to stick around for after hours. So as we always say, remember our motto here, turn it, don't burn it, and take care.